again if this is your first time listening to the move swiftly podcast welcome to the show glad to have you know you're gonna be back for some more to my regular listeners you already know what it is man you know what it is we just bring on the best people just absolute gems of people and if you know me as a regular listener you know i live my life by the abc model right always be connecting i'm constantly 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 trying to connect with folks or just trying to get in front of like-minded people and today it's no different I, I was lucky enough to meet this next guest at a, vision, a global vision conference by it was put on actually by a guy named Johnny shout out to Johnny got to get you on the show he runs it actually runs an organization popcorn movies and popcorn but anyway I went to the conference and I happened to meet another young lady now, well, actually looking young, young, young in mind, a very young lady. She actually has put out a book titled, it is titled Elope from a Mental Hospital with a Whisper of God's Voice. I mean, just the title in itself really, really kind of puts you in that state of mind. And it also has Who Says Bipolar is Incurable. So with all that, I don't want to make this intro too long because I can. Ms. Denise Torres. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you. And I'm, I'm glad we got connected. And I'm glad you're doing the work you're doing because not, not a lot of people do that. So I think the best way to start off this interview, start off this conversation is, can you just give a little bit about your background? I know you also own a wig shop and, you know, where you, you grew up, I believe, was it in New York and stuff? Just talk a little bit about your background and then we can go from there. Sure. So I was born and raised in uh, New York, Long Island. Uh, my parents are both from Puerto Rico. I speak fluent Spanish uh, with an accent because I um, never went to school. I never, I just learned from in the home, the language. And um, I would like to share that I have three sisters, uh, two older, one younger. Um, they all pray, played a great part in my life. And uh, mm -hmm. I went to Hofstra University uh, for with a business computer information systems major. And Are you serious? I didn't know that. Yes, I have a little Are you Yo, listen, I and I, it's funny because I just I just I did a solo episode early, and I was telling people that not telling people, but telling the listeners, I, Hofstra University was a school I really wanted to go to out of high school. And I ended up at Stony Brook, but Hofstra University was one of those schools that I really wanted to go to. I wanted to go play football there. And it actually, the program had gotten shut down. So it's funny that you mentioned Hofstra. I, I hate to cut you off of there, but it's just when people say certain things that trigger, it, it's a habit. So, but, but go ahead. I, I didn't mean I to love it. steal I, your I, thunder I, there. Interjection. I do yeah. it all the time. I get it. 
so sometimes my kids wrestle there and I'm so proud to like know that they're, they have the, um, the wrestling um, championship nationals. So I'm very proud of them. Um, okay. Flying cool. Dutchman, baby. Yes, yes. So after I graduated Hofstra, I opened up my own wig store uh, programming. Um, I have more social skills. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, so I prefer, um, I prefer helping people rather than being isolated and in a cubicle. So, but it's, it was definitely a great experience to learn and experience and find out where my niche is. So with that said, um, I was able to design my own website for my store. I was able to learn social media marketing and oh. do search engine optimization. And, and then now I'm publishing a book. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. And I used to advertise in high school people uh, advertised to do nails. So I was a nail technician and for prom and special occasions, I would either travel to people's homes at, or they would come to my home and I would give them a manicure. So Are you serious? Beginning of my entrepreneur life. Wow. I did not know that. So you were that, you were that girl that was out there grinding, hustling, that, that New Yorker that just always had a hustle going on. You kind of remind me of my mother. My mother would always have hustles going on and just, just making sure that she had the mindset of making sure that she was going to be good and she wasn't going to depend on somebody else to make money. And that, that is something that's extremely admirable. You know, I, I love, I love hearing stuff like that. So when you, when you talk about the wig shop, you know, what were some of the logistics and what, what was, I know you have a very, it's a very powerful story as to why it is a wig shop was the thing you decided to open. Can you talk a little bit about what was the intention of it and what, what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Sure. So with the wig store, I, um, I had to pay back my college. So my mm -hmm. parents are, are pretty wealthy, but they taught us that we're going to work for whatever we want to achieve. So she created four daughters that are just, just, truly independent that can take care of themselves and all well with fantastic careers and mm -hmm. I commend her for that so now I opened up the wig store to pay back my college and I I was able to transform the appearance of people and make them feel good and I initially was working in a wig salon um, during college and I couldn't believe like the transformation that it was the transformation it made in people's lives and yeah. made them feel. And I started wearing them. And then I realized that I have, I have an eye for just looking at you and knowing what style to wear. And I mm -hmm. told my mom, I'm going to open up a wig store. And she, she was supportive right away. And she worked with me and now she's running my store in New York. And now I have a store here in Sunshine Flea Market, Florida. Unbelievable. Now, what are some of the, the challenges when it comes to that, because that's not something, I'm sure that it's not something that just runs smoothly. I'm, I'm sure that it's difficult getting clients and stuff like that. So what are some of the, the difficulties when it comes to running a wig store? Well, I have to say um, after 15 years, it, it was falling apart and so was my marriage. Uh, mm -hmm. and I had to close the store and what I had to learn was I had to then remember my skills from Hofstra University and of my computer skills and how to get my website to optimize to the new phones, how to wow. 
through social media marketing. And I went to the Farmingdale SUNY College, which they have an SBDC program to help people uh, with small businesses. And it's free and it's funded by the, the federal state. And I, I didn't even know that was available until I went to the library, tried to get the book HTML for dummies because I was rusty in that area. And mm -hmm. I have to say that SBDC really helped me write my content, how to get my business to launch again. So mm -hmm. um, that was probably the, just the biggest hurdle, but most, of, I would say um, the most important part of owning your own business is the reviews. The reviews is what has kept my business alive. Great, 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 great. That's excellent. And so you you mentioned it. I I know I don't want to just brush off what you just what you just said in terms of your marriage falling apart, because you you know you're very open, you're very honest, and you're incredibly transparent. And what I want the listeners to know is, you know, when you say your marriage was falling apart, what kinds of what kinds of things did you see? You know, because there could be someone listening in now that their marriage is falling apart, but they're in denial and they kind of stay in a situation that they need to get out of. What kinds of things, what kinds of signs did you see? Because you've moved on, you, you're doing very well for yourself. You have a book out now, which we're going to get to in a second. But when you say your marriage is falling apart, was falling apart, what were the signs that you would warn someone else to, to kind of look out for? Well, I had meddling in-laws. Um, I mm -hmm. had met my husband and I met him in church. He was a Christian. He knew scripture. He was helping people. And once we got married, that all changed. He wasn't interested in church. He wasn't interested to stay in sobriety because he was a graduate student from Teen Challenge Program for Rehabilitation of Drug and Alcohol Addiction. Mm. And I overlooked all those things because I know we all have a past and I, mm. I know that God can do such transformations. So when I met him, I just thought, um, it can't get any worse because he's already gone through his worst. So it could only wow. get better. But in reality, it just, the signs were um, the endless uh, meddling. Um, also, uh, he was somewhat controlling and I was very uh, passive. I needed him to be my voice, but eventually I learned to have my own voice because I was transmitted. I was... I was sent to the mental hospital um, under false allegations of suicide, which I didn't attempt. So it's a great journey and a great story that I just can't wait to share with the world. Now, what what about it? Well, first of all, thank you for being so open and honest about that. Not a lot of people do that. And to you listeners and to anyone who's listening in that may be going through that or maybe seeing signs of that, get away. You know, it, it's no, it does you no good. It does you no good to stay in a situation that you don't want to be a part of. Life is too short and you are too special. You are too great. There's too many great things that you have to offer the world for you to stay in that situation any longer. I just wanted to put that out there. But, and back to you now, when you say it was a great experience, that's something that hits me even now. I mean, I've heard, I've heard this story personally and I, I was hit a lot even now hearing it, even live on air where everyone's listening, it still is incredible to me that you have such a positive outlook on that experience. Can you talk a little bit about that? How are you able to, to, to get to a point now where you're saying, 
wow, that was a great experience. Your husband sent you to a mental hospital for false allegations. And you're sitting here, you're just speaking and you're saying that was a great experience. Can you please share a little bit about that? Because that that's something God, that's God right there. That has to be some, some touch of God has got to be on your lips when, when it comes to something like that. Wow. Absolutely. So I also forgot to share that there there was possible infidelity as well, because he didn't want for me to look in, and look in his phone. So I believe mm. I just want everybody to know it's important that when you're in a relationship that you both need to be accountable. There are no yes. passwords. There are, you know, you should have access to everything. So it's just important that that you know relationships. There is no, there's no secrets. And can't be, can't be, because you're keeping secrets, man. It, it's not a good thing. I mean, let's. Uh, we, we're, we're we're gonna go. We would go on hours if we were to go down that route. <laughs> we're just keeping it this for for the listeners' sake. Don't keep secrets, all right? Because we could go, we could start really preaching if we go down that route. So anyway, go ahead. I, I don't mean to cut to see your thunder. <laughs> right. So now you want to know how I was able to be excited about my journey at the mental health. Yeah, that's what gets me to this. So, like you, you speak like, you know, that was great. That was a great experience. And I, I am so enthralled with that. I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. So what, what, what actually happened was our marriage was falling apart. Um, so now... I was a small car accident. Um, they, a friend of mine said to wait in the car. They went inside, told them that I was looking to commit suicide, then told me to come inside because they were making sure it wasn't a long wait. So now I go inside. They questioned me if I was trying to commit suicide. And I said no. And, and I was just so confused what was happening. And I wasn't sure. So now they're admitting me. I don't even, I didn't even recognize the doctor because they kept me till midnight. I was overwhelmed. I wasn't sleeping. I was sleep deprived from um, so much that was, I was being attacked. I was learning boundaries. I was learning to tell people no. I was learning to tell people I'm not okay with that. And it was just too many, I had too many obstacles coming at me at the same time. So, mm -hmm. um, and then in the hospital, I was able to rest. I was able to, to learn to say no and mm -hmm. to be okay. Um, to find the courage to escape and, and figure out how to survive without anyone in my life but God. And the way he, I was able to leave the hospital is just so miraculous because um, they have padlocks and they were transferring me to the courthouse and the taxi cab driver told me that uh, some people don't belong in here as if he knew mm. me. And I'm thinking, I can't believe he's talking to a group of people in the car and he said, by the gate, some people escape and they can't go after you. And I was just quiet to myself. And when I arrived, the guard wasn't by the door. My aide must have went to the bathroom. I looked out the window and saw the iron gate and I just walked out and I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it. By the time I was close by the gate, they, were, they, were, they came outside and they were calling my name to come back. And that's when I started running. Mm -hmm. And and I was hiding and I was homeless and I was, and it's just, I feel so thankful for that experience because mm -hmm. I know that I can overcome anything from that now. Mm -hmm. and, and not only that, I just have to speak on this. And this is from the perspective of a son. Your sons are going to be so proud of hearing what their mother went through. Your sons are going to say, my mother did that. And it's going to help them 
when it comes to them to meet their mate and, you know, what they ask and, you know, the, the things that you are willing to do. So from, from a son's perspective, I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. I appreciate the fact that you kept fighting because that's not an easy situation to get out of. So, you know, with that being said, let's, let's kind of transition to the book, you know, let's transition to how that project got started. What compelled you? What made it so Denise said, Hey, I got to get this story out there. This thing is, this is moving, you know? I mean, me as a, as a multi-published author, I couldn't, I, I had so many stories that I could not share it. So what, what was that moment like for you where you say, you know what, fuck this. I got to put a book out there. I got to put it all out there because I ain't scared no more. I'm with it. That's right. <laughs> um, so now I, I, once after six years of fighting in court and finding out that I'm not getting my kids back and he's only restricting me to three hours and I had to be supervised. And it was just like, I can't keep doing this until they're 18. And that would make it like another four years. So my girlfriend said, Denise, if you're going to move, you should move to another state. You're not going to sell this house to move to another house. Because I just wanted new memories. So I moved to Florida. I opened the store. And I'm like, okay, God, now what? I'm here. And I have, I have the all the time in the world. And I don't know what to do. And he just, I just he said, write your book. And I was like, wow. So the whole time when I was in the hospital, I made believe I was, it was a movie and I was being filmed and I couldn't, I couldn't wake up. It was like a bad dream. And I was like, wow, a book, I'm going to write the book. And it's six years later. And I just, it was never on the back of my mind to do it. So I know it came from him, the conversation that him and I had. And I just, mm -hmm. that's how I know he's speaking to me because it wasn't, anything that I was planning. Yes, so I, I mean, it's wait. amazing when you have those moments with God, you know, it is so truly amazing. In fact, you, you kind of reminded me of one of my all-time heroes. His name is Ray Lewis. And Ray Lewis was arrested. He was arrested on a charge that it turned out not to be him, but he spent, I believe it was two nights in jail, two weeks in jail, something like that. But he would tell the story about him being alone in jail by himself, and it was at that point where he, he heard God's voice for the first time, where he said, God, God said to him in his ear, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? So, so you listeners, and again, you, you guys know, you guys know me at this point, right? You know, been homeless, lost everything, slept out of my car. That's me. I, I, that, that's me. I've been rock motherfucking bottom. And you may be listening to this right now and you feel rock bottom at this point open up the ears because that's when God likes to speak to you. God is speaking to you in those moments where you need him. If you have the right mindset, God's not going to talk to you when you're a millionaire. All right. There's a verse out there. I believe it's, it's harder for a camel to make it through eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to make it into heaven. All right. God ain't going to talk to you when you are all the way up there. He's going to speak to you when you are in that rock bottom. So when you, if you're rock bottom and you're listening to this, just pat yourself on the back, open up your ears and he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. I swear to God. I, heard, I probably shouldn't say it, but I swear he's going to speak to you. If this conversation, if this is get, if this, if you take anything from it, it's he's speaking to you. So Denise, again, I'm so happy that you were able to come on and share. So can you share a little bit more about the book process? You know, what did you have to do to, to write? You know, what, what were the, the challenges when it comes to getting it ready for print and things of that nature? Um, so I was looking, I was looking at whether self-publish or 
to go through a publishing agency and I almost got scammed because the, the gentleman that I was talking to over the phone, he said that I could use a ghostwriter and that he could publish it and that he could get it out there for me. And I was about to send him the money, but when I saw his name, uh, it didn't match his accent. So his name was Nathan and he had an Indian mm -hmm. accent and a, a completely different last name. And I started to look up uh, he, they call themselves Amazon Publishing Company. And I had called Amazon directly. So that was almost fraud. So I just wanna I just wanna say thanks for God's discernment that he gives me all the time. And mm -hmm. that I can't be deceived in any way. But mm -hmm. I, I really thank that guy at the same time because the conversations that we had, he was so encouraging that he really helped me um, to get my start launching my book because he loved and was fascinated by my story. Right. So we heard your story and we're anyway. So that that's that's excellent, man. That's excellent. So if there was a if there was like a, a takeaway from the book that you want readers and listeners to to get from reading it, what would it be? I love that I um, what I want. To, I have questions for the readers after my story. Um, mm -hmm. That you know like give yourself three words of affirmation. What lies are you telling yourself? What, you know, so that they could self-reflect from my own story and how they could apply it into their own lives. And the, um, and it's, it's nice because after a few chapters, you get to reflect on your own personal life because we all have a similar life and we all have a story to share. So I also want them to take away scripture verses that I used and maybe be encouraged to maybe one day open the Bible because it's not that difficult to read as long as it's not King James Version or if you get like the new international version, easier English. So I think the, mo the biggest obstacle for people is that um, they say it's difficult to read, but it just depends which version of it that they get. Yeah, and, and the verses have to be hitting your heart. Like you can just read and skim through it what I, I went to a Catholic high school and it was like, you know, we would read it just to, to get an A on the test, but the scripture wasn't getting home, home to the heart until I got older, like never despise small beginnings or you are great, wonderfully made. I, in fact, I remember that verse was told to me and then I was sitting, I was sitting in a room full of white people, like rich white people. And in my mind, I was remember pastor telling me, remember you are great and wonderfully made. Don't be intimidated by these white folks. You as one are great and wonderfully made and you could accomplish everything they got, don't matter what. And I was able to, you know, shake their hands. The confidence grew everything. And, and that's what, you know, in many ways, that's what we mean when we say, you know, God's going to speak to you. If you really put your mind to it, if you really say, hey, I'm going to study my Bible, really study my Bible, really study the words, study the scripture and put the words in your heart. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that's going to stop you. Nothing that's going to stop you from what it is you're trying to do. Oh man, she got me preaching, teammates. She got me preaching, teammates. Whoa, I didn't even expect that. She got me You're preaching. You're right. Because there's lies we believe. So you were believing yes. a lie and you knew not to entertain it. I love mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Praise God, sister. See, very few people come on the show and really get me preaching. You know, so I you guys know, you guys know. Sometimes I get to I get past the house one comes out in a, in a heartbeat. All right, let me calm down. Let me calm down. Let me let me come back. Let me come back. All right. So Denise, please, please, can you please tell people what's next? 
what's coming on the pipeline? What can we expect? You know, you've already shared some incredible stories. Just kind of tell people how they can get in touch with you and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I, I have my wig store in Levittown, New York. I have my other store in Sunshine Flea Market in West Palm Beach. I have an author's page that I, I created. It's called denisetorres.org so that you could find out when the book is coming out. I would love for everybody to subscribe and um, leave me a fantastic review or even a bad one because you know what? Bad news is good news. And if you don't have bad publicity, then you don't get noticed. So in a way I take every negative thing and I make it into something positive. So I don't let it steal my joy. So those would be Hallelujah. the reach me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So you, you know how I close out the shows, right? I, I want you to use your imagination. You are who you are now, you know, homeowner back in Florida, two wig shops, you got it together. Your boys are proud of their mother. You know, you've made it through a lot of bullshit. You, you have made it to that point. I want you to go back to when you were at your lowest moment, when you were actually being taken to this mental hospital. And I want you to speak to that person just a little bit and give her some words of encouragement. Just some, imagine she just clicked in the Zoom, the Zoom meeting. <laughs> so what I want to say to that little, that girl who went into the mental hospital, she was very... She was very insecure. She was, she was a people pleaser. She didn't even know herself. And I just want to congratulate that that girl that went into the hospital is never coming back. So the new mm. girl who left the hospital uh, is now has proper boundaries, knows, knows how to communicate better, knows how to tell people I'm not okay with that. Mm. Uh, and I don't need people's acceptance. My, I'm, I'm my own best friend now, where it was so important that I needed to be loved and accepted by everybody. And I just kept silent uh, and didn't really share my hurt and pain. And I'm so glad that I, I'm, I'm free, I'm liberated, and I can tell people how I really feel. And if that upsets them in any way, then I accept that too. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right, fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon.
and I know He watches over me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches. And I know he watches. 